really can't get any deeper than this. It is the foundation of our faith, right? Tonight's message is entitled, One Mediator Between God and Men. How many of you know there's one mediator between God and men? There's just one. Just one. That's, that's, I've let, I just let the cat out of the bag. That's, how, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. You already know. So next Wednesday when they ask you, what did Howie preach about? One mediator between God and man. I'm going to say that so much you're going to say, is that all that guy knows? Yeah, yeah. Look at this. Is this cool? You know what that image is? One mediator. I, I was outside and my neighbor grabbed me. We took this picture, this photo, I took myself with my own camera. That's called a sun dog. See the sun in the middle and then it's a rainbow? Right? And you know the one mediator is also the creator of the heavens and the earth. He made that. And I thought that was so cool. I was looking, I was looking through, through the internet for images because I, I love this little screen that they put here. And, and so... Uh, I, I've got that up there. So one mediator. There's one mediator between God and men. Now, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God, and there's one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. I remember the first time I saw this, I thought, okay, there's one mediator, there's one God, there's one mediator, the man. The man, Christ Jesus. He's a man. Is, is that, that's wild, I think. I thought, there's a man? Well, I thought Jesus was God. He became a man. He goes back to the throne of heaven, and he's God. And he is. But he's a man. God altered his eternity to save us. That was part of the plan. You know what that is? There's a closeness. There's a, there's a, there's a closeness that can only be achieved through him doing that. He becomes a man. He remains a man. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. I, I, that blows me away more than the one mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. He's a man. It's a good thing because I need someone I can talk to who can understand me. He certainly can. Hebrews ten twelve, But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. So there it is. Confirmation. This man is sitting at the very right hand of God right now. What does he do? He intercedes for us. If I, if I, if I have a prayer, if I have a request, if I, if, if, if I, if I want to thank God for something, I want to praise him, I want to complain, whatever it is, this one mediator, the man... Christ Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God and he intercedes for me. He does that for me and he does it for all of us. Every single one of us. You know that, that song they were singing, I am a child of God. Isn't that wonderful? That's, you know what? In John, John tells us in the first chapter of his gospel in the 12th verse, I know this one well. I mentioned it to the guys at the White House today. You know what it says? That as many as received Jesus, he gave them the power to become the children of God. This, 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 there's this power that we get. Some, some translations say the right, but the, the real word is the word power. It's the Greek word exousia, I believe it is. But it means power. I receive Jesus, 
And I, the, the power, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave, right? I've been delivered, right? But the deliverance, I have to make a choice. I'm involved in the process, and God has given me the power to say no to that. Because temptation's still here. I get on my phone, and that girl keeps showing up. You know what? I never touch it. I know I, know I hit clear all. Get out of here. She keeps showing up on my phone. I need power. <laughs> yeah. So the man, there's a man, he's sitting down at the right hand of God right now. I love it. I love it. And I have to pound this point. In Philippians, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's kind of a weird way for him to say, you know, he, if you look at it, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. So Christ Jesus, before he was Christ Jesus, he was the Word, right? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So Christ Jesus, when he was God, he didn't think it was robbery to say, hey, I'm equal with God, right? Now, we know of a story in uh, the 14th chapter of Isaiah where Lucifer... He said, I'm going to sit on the sides and I will be like God. He got in a lot of trouble saying that. He got in a lot of trouble. But Jesus says, no, it's, it's, no I am God, right? This, but he made himself of no reputation, even though he was God. It means he drained himself, he emptied himself of the glory of who he was, right? He drained himself. And he made himself in the likeness of men. You know, when I think about that, the first thing that always comes to me is Genesis 126. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Right? So here at the beginning of our history, God makes man in his image. Kind of cool. He says, have dominion. Right? You're in charge. He gave us the keys to the car. He never took them back. We still have them. That's why we have so many accidents. <laughs> God's a better driver. Who knows God's a better driver? You know, I got tired of crashing, so I let God drive now. I don't, I don't have one of, those, one of those license plates that says, God's my co-pilot. Are you kidding? You drive. We're going to get in a wreck if I'm driving. So he, he made himself of no reputation. He stripped himself of all of his Godhead, if you can do that. Right? And he makes himself a servant. A slave is what that word really means, but it's a love slave. He did it on purpose. He, he did it out of love. Out of love for, the, for, for obedience to the Father. Out of love for us. He did that. He, he becomes, and he was made in the likeness of men. So Genesis 126, God has made man in his image. And by the time we get here, God's come full circle and he's made himself in the image of man. Can you wrap yourself around that? Think about that. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah, Isaiah says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I like to think about the things that I can't figure out about the Bible, about the word. I just think about it. If I think about it, instead of all the bad things that are going on, 
The Bible assures me that I'll be kept in perfect peace. And I am most of the time. When am I not? When I'm thinking about the other stuff. <laughs> so he made himself of no reputation. So what we have here is the man Christ Jesus. He's the only mediator that we have, right? He was God. He didn't think it was robbery to be in the form of God. So our mediator, the one mediator that we have, the only mediator that we have, is fully man and he's fully God. All at the same time. I don't know how he does that. And then you go tell that to someone who doesn't believe in God and they look at you like you got two heads, bro. You believe what? You know, in Corinthians it says, it says that, that, that the natural man the unsaved man, unsaved person out there, they don't get this. Why? Because it's spiritually discerned. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the power that you get is, you know what it is? It's a restoration to your spirit man. You get born again. You know, when Adam, when Adam was told, you eat this fruit and the day you do, you're going to die, well, those of us who've read the Bible, we know that he ate that fruit. It was another 900 years or so until he died. But what he did was he disconnected spiritually from God. Spiritual death in the Bible. And the death in the Bible is a spiritual disconnection from God. You know, the five senses that we have, they were given to us so that we could perceive of the physical world that is around us. The sixth sense, if you will, the spirit one, is the one that we contact God with. So you get born again. I've been numb to this, to this, even this way of thinking all my life. And in my case, it was out of desperation, out of I was crashing and burning, and I and I turned to God, and and the spirit part of me gets revived. That was, so to speak, in a coma. And I don't even know what it is, but you know what? I I remember, I remember. When I first felt it, I remember, wow, I was going through a foyer of this little church. I went there beaten up, and the, the, our foyer is probably five times the size of that one. And I remember passing through this foyer with this man, and he's kind of helping me along because I'm shaking. I'm in bad shape. And I had this sense, you know what, everything's going to be Okay. I had destroyed everything in my life. Anything that I valued, I, I squandered it. But I came clean. I came And I came to this church because I'm looking for God. And I'm hoping what they said was true. That he loves sinners. Because I qualify. <laughs> and I, so I passed through those doors and I, there was this sense, it's going to be okay. You know what it meant? It meant I don't have to destroy myself anymore. The power. When I, you know what? I'd, I'd come clean. I surrendered to God. Didn't even know it. You know, and, and, and that's what I was meaning to do, though. And it just, it, it, that power has been with me ever since then. I've made mistakes. But, man, it, it's, it, God has been with me. So, we have a mediator. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. Now, I want to take you back a little bit. There's a man named Job in the book of Job. I don't have it up there on the screen, but 
When you read Job, what you find out is that Job, he was a rich guy. I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you here. Just happened to have my Bible with me. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. The land of Uz. Now, no one quite knows where the land of Uz was. But we know it was in the east. Now, I know, you know what, actually you could pronounce that ooze, perhaps, but I just thought I'd have a little fun there. <laughs> there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Job had it going on, all right? But we also know from reading the story of Job that some disasters came upon him, all right? The first thing that happened, his oxen and his donkeys are taken. And a bunch of his servants are killed in an attack by the Sabians. The next thing that happens, his sheep and more of his servants are burned. The servant comes to, to him and he says, the fire of God burned them all up, right? Well, the servant was wrong. The fire wasn't from God. There was a fire there, but it, it, it killed his his sheep and his servants. Next, his camels are taken and more of his servants are killed in a raid by the Chaldeans. And then, all of his children, they're having a party at one of the oldest brother's houses. They're partying it up and a big wind comes and knocks the house down and kills them all. And finally, he's covered from head to toe with boils. So here's Job. He's this blameless, righteous man fearing the Lord, and all this stuff has happened to him. And Job has got a complaint, right? He's got a complaint. But listen to what Job says. He says, for he is not a man as I am. He's not a man. Isn't that interesting? The man Christ Jesus. He says, he's not a man as I am, that I may answer him, that we should go to court together, nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hands on both of us. Now, this is an interesting statement. When it, when it said that part about laying his hands on both of us, that caught my attention. So I did a little research. Now, this is, Job is, is there, there is no arbitrator, Job thinks. Right? There's, there's no mediator between us. There's no arbitrator. There's no umpire. There's no one who can judge between God and Job. Job's time in his time there in the east, remember it said he was in the east, right? There was a custom where if there were two parties and they, and they had a, a, a grievance against each other, the judge would lay his hands on both of their heads, right? And the judge had authority. Whatever the judge determined, they both had to yield to it. They both had to obey whatever the judge determined. Well, Job, he, he figures a man can do that with him. But who's going to lay his hands on the Almighty and tell God, this is what you got to do? So Job's attitude was really a good one. He was, he, he, was, he, was, he was submissive to the power of God. He says, who's going to lay his hand on the Almighty and tell him what to do? He says, I've got a, I've got a beef here. I've been doing all right. I've been doing good. 
And all my stuff is gone, and I'm covered with, from head to toe with boils. He's whining. I would too. <laughs> it's gone bad. I mean, this guy, you know what? Said he had seven sons and three daughters. You know, the number seven is the number of completion in the Bible. It's the number of rest. He had seven kids, seven sons. A son to a, to a, to a Jew. Well, I don't know if he was a Jew. Was he a Jew? A son, was he a Jew, John? No, he wasn't a Jew, okay. A son, though, was the big deal. You want the son to carry on your lineage. And he had seven of them. He was full up to here. And he's got this complaint. He says, who's going to lay his hand on both of us? So Job, he thinks, man, I got problems. Now, if we move forward a little bit in history, we're going to get to Moses. Now, just a, a quick aside here. Job... There's a lot of scholars who think that Job, he lived during the time of Abraham, about 2000 B.C. One of the reasons that I believe that that's true, if you look in the book of Job, you'll see that the, the term almighty is used a little better than 30 times there. And that's where you'll find that use, that word, the almighty, which is El Shaddai. You'll find that more in the book of Job than you will anywhere else in the Old Testament. Job, you, that, 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 not only by Job, but the whole book, is, you just, it's laced with this, this, this term, the Almighty. Who's going to lay his hand on the Almighty? Ain't no one going to do that, right? Well, the Almighty is, is a term that was used by Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. We know that because in the sixth chapter of Exodus, we're moving forward to Moses now, Moses is having a talk with God, and God says to him, he says, he says, I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob by the name of El Shaddai, the Almighty. He says, but my name Jehovah was not known to them. So Moses is a period after. You know, we were looking at this. I was looking at my wife has a uh, chronological Bible. And so I'd been doing all this study and looking, trying to figure out where does Job fit in here? Because the, your Bible is not, is not set in form chronologically, actually correctly, if you will. I think that it's correct, the way that it's done. But chronologically, it's sort of out of sequence. But Job, you would slide the book of Job somewhere in around the 11th chapter, the 12th chapter of Genesis. And if you put it in there, the book of Genesis would be about 80 chapters long, I suppose. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, how many in the Psalms? A lot. So... I know there's, there's a lot. I'm not going to give the number out and show you my ignorance, but there's a lot. <laughs> so here's Job. In his time, he thinks he doesn't have a mediator. That's what he thinks. You know, and the reason I'm saying that's what he thinks is because we have the advantage of hindsight. How many of you know God calls things that are not as if they were? God was actually Job's mediator. God restored him. If you read the story, he was restored twice as much. He lived 140 years after all this stuff happened to him. Now, we don't know how old he was when this stuff happened, but how old has a guy got to be to have 10 kids? You got you to... So you can, you can estimate that Joe probably lived a couple hundred years. This is right about the time 
that Abraham and Isaac and these guys lived. So that's quite another reason why I think that he probably lived, he was probably a contemporary of those guys. I can't prove it. It doesn't make any difference to your salvation. Knowing when the book of Job belongs in there is not the mediator. <laughs> okay? The mediator is Christ, the man. Christ Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. I just find this stuff terribly interesting. Is it interesting to you? You want me to go away and not come back, or do you want to do this again next week? <laughs> I'd be pleased to come back. <laughs> so, let's move on. Now, Moses, Moses is a mediator. God's talking to Moses, right? And Moses, he's a mediator. We know that. Moses was up on the mountain, right? He's up there with God. Been up there quite some time. And the, and the children of Israel, they're down at the bottom, and they're getting a little impatient. So they tell, they tell Aaron down there, they say, hey, listen, we don't know what happened to this guy who brought us out of Egypt. But you know what? We need you to make us a god. Right? So what happens? Aaron makes them a god. He makes them a golden calf. And the party's on. Right? And they're dancing and they're whooping it up and who knows all what they're doing. The Bible doesn't give us the details. But God is on to it. And he tells Moses, he says, get down there. He goes, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to wipe them out. Right? I'm going to wipe them out. And he's mad, right? God, how many, you know, God used to get mad in the Old Testament. I'm glad we got a mediator now. Because there's been a lot of times where he could have just crushed me like a cockroach. Because I did some bad things, right? Thank God I got a mediator now. Jesus stands up for me. He says, nope, I got this one covered. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, man. So God's going to go down. And he's going to wipe him out. But here's what Moses says. He tells God, he says, turn from your fierce wrath. This is Moses talking to God. He says, repent. Imagine he's telling God, repent from this evil that you've got against your people. Man, what? <laughs> repent. He's telling that to God. Now, God doesn't have to repent like you and I do. He didn't sin, but he's just telling him, you've got to change your mind on this, right? Right? He says this. He says, remember Abraham? I can imagine the conversation. Remember Abraham? You remember Isaac? You remember Israel? Your servants, the ones you swore to by your own self. You said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I've spoken about give to you and they shall inherit it forever. He said, remember them? You swore to them. He says, you know, we were just talking about that when you were telling me that they never called you Jehovah. But here they are. He goes, remember these guys? He goes, you can't, you can't do this thing, God. And what happens? Here's the crazy part. And the Lord repented. <laughs> the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do against his people. Are you kidding me? Moses, I, that's a mediator. How many of you know that's a mediator? God was going to wipe them all out. Right? And Moses says, don't do it, God. And he explains to him, he says, you know, you're going to look awful bad. You know what makes me think? The God is a man. Where did we get our feelings from? Wow. The Bible says Jesus is compassionate to us, right? He looks on us with compassion. It does say the man Christ Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of God. It says we're created in his image and in his likeness. 
Now, we don't limit God to being a man. But everything about a man comes from God. And I'm including woman in this. Mankind. Okay? So, now I need a drink. Okay? So, the Lord repented. Now, there's another mediator that we had. Moses, in the Mosaic Law, he, was, he gave us the priesthood, right? And the priests, they would offer the sacrifices, the offerings. And that was a mediator for us. It would cover the sins of Israel, the Jewish people in the Old Testament. So that was another mediator, a form of a mediator. But now, in the New Testament, we have a new mediator for us. And it's not a priest. Although we have a high priest. Jesus Jesus is our high priest, right? But it's not a priest. You don't need to go to some earthly priest, some man who says, in order for your prayer to be heard, you've got to come through me. That's not the way it works. You know, I know that this is some awfully foundational, basic stuff, and probably most of you here know this. But I also know that we have some new people in this place. And I want them to know this. I want them to know what's going on here. You don't have to go to another man. You don't have to come to me. For God to hear your prayer. You receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you've been given the power. To become the child of God. Jesus is your intermediate. He's your intercessor. He hears everything you're saying. Now you can come to me and I can pray with you. And we can intercede for you. We have intercessory prayer. That does exist. And it's a wonderful thing. But you approach God on your own. You don't have to go there with me. Or anyone else. There are religious bodies in our, in our world, in the Christian community, that teach these kind of things. They're wrong. The Bible says no such thing. I'm not going to name anybody. I'm not going to, you know what? In, in, in the banking world, I've been told to show the, the, the people who are in the bank how to, how to tell a counterfeit bill. They don't show them counterfeit money. They make them so familiar with the real stuff that if a counterfeit bill shows up, your spirit just knows. No, that ain't real, man. So I don't need to beat on religion out there. I'm going to tell you what this says. You'll know this so well that when a counterfeit comes along, you won't be tossed to and fro, as the scripture says. Following me? So we've got this mediator, right? Now, we're in the New Testament now. And this mediator, I don't have a lot of this on the screen, but I'm going to read it. It's out of the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. It says, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. I'm glad it was formerly, in my case. I'm sure you probably are too in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the spirit that is now, now working in the sons of disobedience. Who's the prince of the power of the air? The spirit working in the sons of disobedience. That's right. I used to walk according to the dictates of Satan. You need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior because there is no neutral there is no, well, I don't, you know, I'm not going to do the Jesus thing, but no, the devil ain't bothering me. Yeah, he is bothering you. You just don't know it. So, it says, 
in which you formerly walked. The third verse says, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. We all did this. Indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Or I would say it this way. I was, I was a children of wrath just like the rest of those lowlifes. Except I didn't know I was one of them. <laughs> I was a child of wrath. That's what I did, right? But here we go. Let's get good now. But God, God, who is rich, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions. You know, those transgressions, they were unintentional and intentional transgressions he's talking about there. When we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ, the mediator, the one mediator. By grace, you have been saved. Woo, I love it. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him. There's the mediator again, with Christ. He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. The mediator. It doesn't say about anything or anyone else. It's in him. If you read in the New Testament, you'll find, I think it's well over 100, maybe 120 times where it talks about in Christ, with Christ, by Christ, through Christ. Everything. He is the mediator. There's no question about it. In verse 7, it says, why did he do all this stuff? Why does, why does he do all this? Because of his great love, right? Why does, he, why does he do this? So that in the ages to come, he might show us the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us. He's going to spend eternity showing us just how cool he is. In Christ, Jesus. I can't wait to get there. But you know, actually, I'm enjoying life pretty good right now. God has blessed me more than I can tell you. And when I think about it too much, I can't talk too good. And I like to think about it a lot. I like it when I'm at home in my man cave and I'm playing my guitar and I can't play because I'm crying. Wow. Wow. Verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not on the board. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. The word gift there means a present. It means a sacrifice. You could say it this way. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the sacrifice of God. Wow. You know what? We must be something special. I'm convinced that God loves mankind. That's why he made us. And this trip that we're on, this journey that seems, you know, Paul says, he, he doesn't even reckon that the troubles, that the, the, what he calls the minor troubles that are happening now, they're not even worth mentioning, right? Compared to what's going to happen in eternity. And we all know Paul's story. Paul had some stuff happening to him, right? And, and, and but it's, you know, there's the, we don't understand the whole thing. But God's got, he's got a plan for us. And it's, and oh, wow. But you know what? You don't have to wait. Because when you receive Jesus right now as your Lord and Savior, you're given the power to be the child of God. 
You're given the power to rise over your circumstances. But if you don't know you have that power, you'll let them walk over you. It's a gift. It's a sacrifice. Verse 10 says, For where is workmanship created in Christ Jesus? There it is again. There's our mediator. For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Okay? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by the mediator. For he himself is our peace. Whew. You know, the word peace there means prosperity. He's our peace. Surrender to God and watch your life change. Surrender your will and your life. Give it all up. Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you confess God, if you confess the Lord Jesus, if you confess that Jesus is the Lord, declare his lordship, you confess that, you speak those words with your mouth. You say, I'm all in. I surrender to you. You know, it's when I just make him my savior, when I got a big fire under my rear end and I need, I need that fire out, right? God, I'm all yours, right? You know, the thing about God is so cool. You know, he put that fire out a lot of times. He put it out a lot of times. And I think the reason that he did it in my case is because he knew I would surrender. He saved me from me a lot of times. I'm wondering if he did that with any of you. I got a sneaking suspicion. <laughs> He himself is our peace. He has brought us together. There's one mediator between man and God. The man Christ Jesus. I think this is so cool. I know this is so foundational, so basic. And if you don't get this, you don't get it. No one comes to the Father but through the Son. No one. No one. But here's, here's a glimpse, if you will, of the future. It's called eternity. John says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. How many of you know that the book of Revelations is written in signs and in symbols? Do you know that? It's not always meant to be taken literally. And now Tom back there is really listening because I've got the revelation. He loves that stuff. You have to be able to determine, is this meant literally or is this meant figuratively? Is this symbolic speech? So we, the church, is the bride of Christ. You know that? Yes. We're the bride of Christ, right? And he sees this city coming down out of heaven from God and it's adorned as a bride is for her husband. In Genesis, God says, a man shall leave his mother and father and he'll cleave to his wife and they will be one. They will be one. Here we see that it's a bride as adorned for her husband. The level of closeness, the intimacy that is implied here in this scripture, you can't get any closer. That's what God, 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 he, he, throughout the Old Testament, 
it was the, the, the church was the bride, and when they would depart from him, he'd say they're acting like a harlot. They departed from him. And you know what? He'd always bring that harlot back because of his love. And so to be adorned as a bride is for the husband, and he makes us that way. We put on these robes of righteousness that God gives us when you surrender. When you surrender, you get a robe. You get a crown. You get all kinds of stuff. And you get this union. See, here's what happened. In the garden, God would walk with Adam. Right? But Adam separated from God spiritually. Jesus, he's the mediator. He brought us back. And now we're like a bride, a husband and a bride. We're that close. You can't separate us. I remember our marriage ceremony. I don't remember all of it with my wife. But I remember the pastor said, the only thing that would separate us is when I would lay her down in the grave. That will be the only thing. The intimacy, the the symbolism of this relationship that cannot be any closer. Jesus has restored us. God, the mediator. In the third verse of that very same chapter, it says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. He will live amongst us. Just like Adam walked in the garden, we'll walk in this new city. In the 22nd chapter, it says, There will no longer be any curse. The curse is gone. In the fourth verse of that 22nd chapter, it says, They will see his face. Face to face with God. Think about it. That's where we'll be. The one mediator, he did it all. And now, he's not really the mediator anymore. He was the mediator. Now he's our God. He's our Lord. I'm glad you're all just sitting there stunned. <laughs> I, I, this, is, this message is, is there's a man sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what I wonder right now, since we all know that there's only one mediator, is there anyone here, is there anyone in this room who has not received that one mediator as their Lord and Savior? Is there anyone who hasn't received Jesus as his Lord and Savior? If you haven't, would you raise your hand where you're sitting right now? Is there anyone in this room? Okay, now I'm going to do this then. Everyone who has received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, raise your hand. I want to see those. Wow. Wow. You know what? I'm glad we got a room full of saved people. So all this is for you. This is our future. This is our now. Don't wait. The power that you need is yours now. The mediator is there right now. You can approach him anytime. You can step boldly into the throne room of God, jump up in daddy's lap, and say, hey, what's for dinner? <laughs> He's good with it. <laughs> yeah. So let me pray over you. I'm going to turn you loose out of here. Father God, Lord, I just thank you for this time that we've had here. I thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the mediator, the man, Christ Jesus.
He came and he restored us. He brought us back into the intimate relationship that you always intended for us, Father. We thank you for that, Father. I thank you for all these that are here tonight, Father. I declare your favor upon each and every one of them. I declare that the angel of the Lord will build a wall of protection around each and every one of them. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Paul said, I don't lie to you. I was sent for this purpose to tell you about the one mediator. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I follow him, and I'm not lying to you. We have one mediator. His name is Jesus, the man Christ. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We're going to bring our prayer team up here. If you have a need for any type of prayer, you want to praise God,